Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, Savage Approach Personal Finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, a strong and powerful Cassie O'Brien. Cassie, are you ready to do this? Good morning. I'm ready. Excellent. Let's do this. Cassie is an employee benefits champion, a cost containment pro, and consultant. Excited to have you on. Cassie, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Sure. So... Personal life, I have two uh, two crazy kids, 10 and 11. Um, so nice. when people ask, what are your hobbies? I, I say it's my kids right now. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be time for, for hobbies later on. But right now, it's pretty much running to gymnastics, um, basketball, um, tennis practice, and, and doing the mom thing. Um, and as for why you do what you do, you know, I think that's interesting for you to ask because I was watching um, – uh, ESPN 30 on 30 and you know they always ask these great um, athletes you know what 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 drove you what made you do what you want to do and um, I, so I think that's a neat question and so two parts uh, one was growing up you know um, I didn't have a lot so um, you know the ability for me to to make my own way in life and to hustle is a huge part of it and when I realized that um, you know the harder I worked uh, the more I could do, that made a real difference to me. It really resonated. Um, and I was in control of my own destiny kind of thing. And then uh, the other why uh, is my two daughters. So just being a powerful female, I think, and a role model for them, um, we need more of those. And for them to see that uh, you're able to to be a mom and uh, to have a career, I think that's really important for them. Oh, I, think that that's, I think that that's awesome. So, yeah. Think. So that's the why. I love it. So I I read, I think it was on your website or something that you sent me that the average health insurance spend in premiums alone for like the majority of American employees is ten percent of their income, and that's that's a pretty crazy thing. So yeah, it's ten percent of their income, and it's fifteen percent of GDP as a whole. Wow! And it's um those those costs aren't going away, and then to break it down even more right now and um. Right now, we're at about 24% of that total spend, personal spend, um, is in uh, specialty pharma, so in your Rx medications, and we see that trend rising as well. So these numbers are big numbers. When you think about 10% of your income, how long do you have to work? Um, how many hours do you have to put in to just pay for your health premiums? Um, and that's not even counting uh, your co-insurance costs and um, medical bills should something you know, a surgery happened or something catastrophic happened. So those numbers, um, Kaiser Family Foundation does a study each year and looking at that and the trend only continues to go up. And so something has to be done. And the key that when I work with employers is, yes, we're looking at um, ultimately I work with employers, CFOs, HR directors to figure out a better way um, to fund their health plan. So and that's typically through using a self-funding model. So that's the number side of it. But for your consumers um, or for your listeners, I think the, the better point would be how can I as an employee, how can I as just a person in my household uh, be a wiser consumer of health care? And so that's what we teach. I teach my employer groups each day because no matter how good of a price I can get, um, 
the carrier to give you as an employee or a group, it doesn't matter if your employees don't know how to use their health care. So that's where my passion comes in, because to affect those percentages and numbers, it has to be two sides working, both the employer and the employee. And we want to make savvy consumers of employees, definitely. Yeah. And I have to imagine that we talk about people living longer and using more medical care and then working longer because we're not really saving a lot of money, those costs are probably going to keep going up. So people need to do a better job of being better consumers of health care. Absolutely. Uh, do, do you find that people don't often think about the difference between health insurance and health care? So, so two things. I find that when I am speaking with an employer group, number one, we um, – we, as a consultant broker community, have done a really poor job at education, I think. Um, typically, you will see your healthcare consultant or broker once a year for open enrollment meeting. And you may go to that open enrollment meeting and you may not because really, you know, you have other things to do <laughs> at work that's more pressing than that. Right. Um, and that's really cut, cutting yourself short, selling yourself short. Uh, so what I like to do with my employers is we have... Um, we have several meetings. Um, we do video. Uh, uh, I, I tape my open enrollment meetings so they can be put on their internet or on their payroll site or whatever Smart. site that they use. And then the biggest thing that I push is, you know, have a spouse or partner meeting. Because really, when we think about the insurance decisions we're making, typically I'm not making it just for me. I either have a, a dependent, I either have a spouse, I either have a partner, you know, so they need to be informed as well. And that, I think, is a huge missing link. Um, so getting your the other people in your family involved when you're making the decision, if you have one or two more plans. So that's 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 kind of where you start with education. Yeah, and I think that's such an obvious thing that, that, that I didn't really hadn't really considered is that you it's hard enough to actually educate the person working at the company that has the benefits, let alone all the other people that are in the household. So they probably have right. no idea. So, all right. So I always, I tell this story and true story, you know, my husband, I am um, for a while there. I had, my children are 13 months apart. So I took a year off um, because I couldn't do it. Well, it was not a year off. It was a year of sure. craziness, but, right. um, and he comes home and um, from his open enrollment, and he has the dental plan with the full ortho and the full everything for our whole family. And I'm looking at the cost of it. And I'm saying to him, you know, why, why did you do this? We could have got on the low plan. Just <laughs> you and I need to be on it. You know, truly he wanted the best for his family, right? And I'm like, hun, they don't, one has only one tooth. The other right. has no teeth, you know. <laughs> it's going to be fine. Like, so let's, let's bank that $40 a month and move on, you know. <laughs> So, I mean, things like that, you, you really got to look at. And that that's low-hanging fruit, I would say. Um, the other thing is, you know, a lot of times employers will give you two plans. They'll either give an HSA plan or a um, traditional deductible plan. And I really encourage people to, if they're going to take the HSA plan, to go home and, and really look at, uh, your tax bracket and see which one is going to be best for you. There's a bunch of HSA calculators online. There's one, and I'm, this is a plug for a vendor. I use this vendor, but it's by no means not the only vendor out there. I just think they do a really good job at education. It's healthequity.com, and they're an HSA vendor. 
And what you can do is you can put in your the copay plan, so put in the deductibles, the coinsurance, the copays, and then you can put in your HSA plan, uh, the deductible, and then whatever coinsurance comes after that. And then you can put in your tax bracket and really see which one is going to be more advantageous to you. Um, and then, of course, you put in what the cost of the plan, you know, after your employer contribution. And so you can annualize that out. And it's just a numbers game and just see which one works out best for you. People don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, people are making um, decisions just purely on, uh, well, I think I'm going to use a lot of health care. I'm not going right. to use a lot of health care. So um, I have a background in economics and finance. And so to me, it's always let's look at the numbers. Um, so that's a great tool that um, everyone I encourage everyone to use. Um, and that's healthequity.com. And a lot of people also don't understand, you know, with an HSA, if you're going to be on an HSA plan um, and your company contributes money, you know, of course, take that money like your 401k. <clears throat> There's money on the table. At least take that. Right. Um, after that, you know, you do want to invest something. An HSA plan continues to stay with you. It's not a lose it or use it situation. Uh, and then when you get typically about two thousand dollars in the HSA plan, you can start to invest that money in stocks and bonds. And then when you're 65, you can take that money out tax-free for non-healthcare expenses. So it really works, I think, a lot like a Roth IRA. And it can be really good uh, if you're for the right person. So um, I would say take a look at the HSA. Not that I push HSA, but, um, you know, if you have a choice, take a look at it um, compared to your traditional copay and see if it's right for you. Yeah, it's a pretty dynamic financial instrument that I think people are starting to to come around to, but I appreciate that. So we talked a little bit about um, just helping our our, our family members be better, better understand how the plan works, making sure that we're making the right decision on HSA versus, versus the other option. Are there other, other common areas that you find if people made an improvement in would help them to be better consumers of their healthcare benefits? Yep. So the other thing, um, I, I, I love telemedicine and, um, I think that is the way our industry is going, not only telemedicine for those acute illness situations, but I do think we are going to one day have a virtual primary care doctor. Um, So we're not going to go into our primary care doctor, sit there, wait in line. We're going to have a doctor, a a primary care doctor um, who's virtual that we can talk and text with at any time. And so a lot of plans come with telemedicine. And if your employer does not have telemedicine, you know, I would ask for it, quite quite frankly. Um, So if your plan doesn't come with telemedicine, there's vendors out there that um, you can add that on for a relatively low price. I mean, we're talking $6 a month per employee um, that an employer can add that on, and it can make a huge difference to your employee. Um, So telemedicine, if your audience is not familiar with it, it's for acute illnesses. So it's not if your arm's falling off. Okay. Go to the, go to the (laughs) ER for that. Right. I say that. Um, but it's for those things. And, and again, I, I do, I explain best through using examples of my own, but I have two kids and, you know, one of my kids got pink eye and, you know, I knew exactly what it was and did I want to spend, I have an HSA. So my spend for a pediatrician, pediatrician visit. I know exactly what it is because I've done it so many times. It's $140. Well, I call telemedicine. I have a FaceTime with, uh, through MD live is through, we have ours through, and, um, I'm speaking with a pediatrician. So I'm not 
speaking, I'm speaking with a pediatrician through FaceTime. He's looking at her eye. He's like, yep, that's, um, that's pink eye. Let me call in right. your drops. And I call in my drops. I'm a busy mom. So I did this all before, you know, eight o'clock when I had to get to work and then had her off on her way. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's time saving for the employee, but it's also, you know, when I take my kids into a patient first or urgent care, I mean, they're like licking the floors and we're coming out of there more sick than when we went in. So, you know, I mean, so it's been, it's been great for me and my family and I've seen it um, great for others as well. Um, and it saves you time. So I always say my goal is for you, you as an consumer and employee to get the best care um, at the best price. So, so value, so value, I want you to have value, but without ever compromising, um, the quality of care for you. And I think telemedicine actually increases the quality of care, not decreases it. Yeah. I think that that makes a lot of sense. And it's one of those examples where technology can really be a benefit. So, um, absolutely. I, I know that, that it seems like every industry that's dealing with human beings now is talking about wellness. Um, have you found that there's programs that, that, that people are, are really grabbing a hold of, if it's diet or exercise? Are there certain things that actually are being impactful? So you're not going to like my answer on this, and uh, neither do <laughs> a lot of employers that I talk to. Um, so wellness, you know, being getting well as a, as a country, as a, as a society is great, right? But I have seen no correlation to employers putting in a wellness program that's correlating to um, a reduction in their claims. Okay, there's there's no numbers. I, I found there's no quantitative evidence that if I put in a wellness program and I have a walkathon for my employers, my employee population is going to be healthier, and thus impacts my claims and my renewal. There's just not the evidence out there. There's actually um, numbers to the contrary. So I feel like wellness is great. I am a huge advocate of being healthy, staying healthy. But if you don't want to lose weight, I can't make you lose weight. If you don't want to take your um, metformin for diabetes, I can't make you take that on a regular basis. So what I think is actually... Um, a better spend of the employer's money is to put something in like telemedicine, to put something in like um, a direct primary or a concierge service that can guide employees to get the right care they need when they need it. Um, you know, I think if you're an employee and want to have a wellness program um, just for um, morale, I think, um, I think that may be a good idea, but I, I hate to go in and talk to employers and think it's going to have a huge impact on their on their renewals because the evidence just isn't there for that. No, I appreciate that, and I don't hate that answer at all. I think <laughs> I'd rather be useful and brilliant, and I think that it's tough for big companies to tough for all companies to to put in place a wellness program and expect things are really just gonna be like a magic wand and, and, and get better so, yeah. so I, I appreciate that very much and 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 just to add to that a lot of the carriers out there Aetna, Cigna, Blue Cross, United you, you know you name it they already have these programs that are built into uh, the plan um, that employees can take advantage of and they manage it 
So when you put a wellness program in place, there's a lot of compliance that goes along with that, that the onus is then on the employer. And I think it's really heavily burdensome for the return that you get. So I would say, as a, if I'm speaking to Mr. or Ms. Employee, employer, use those carrier plans first. And then if you really want to make a difference on your um, helping your employee population, uh, use use something different again, like a telemedicine or direct primary care or a, um, a healthcare concierge, you know, to walk your employees uh, through, you know, where to get care. Um, that would, I think, make a bigger impact than having, you know, a flu shot clinic. <laughs> just, it's, it, it, just, it just doesn't make sense to me, but that's, that's, my, that's my two cents on it. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate that very much. Well, Cassie, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Yeah, so my difference-making tip. Um, so I heard a quote a while ago that said, learners are earners. And it really resonated with me. And I think learners are savers as well. So I would encourage your audience to always be out there looking for something different and not always going with the conventional wisdom. Um, and I think if you're out there looking for new things and looking to learn and do something different and, you know, the, the thing that may be different might not always be best. So, you, you know, you really have to vet um, things as well. But um, I, I think learners are savers and learners are earners. So be out there, get as much information as you can, listen to podcasts like you have um, and just be curious, you know. Well, I think that, that is great stuff that definitely gets a come on. Come on. Yep. <laughs> Cassie. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? So I would encourage anyone who wants to learn more about me and learn more about the programs I'm putting into place with employers or the tips I have um, to just connect with me on LinkedIn, Cassie O'Brien with the O apostrophe. Um, you can find me there. Uh, you can also always email me at kobrien at managed, M-A-N-A-G-E-D, benefits.com. But I think LinkedIn's the best place. I post a lot of information. Um on there, a lot of articles, and certainly just uh, connect with me, and um, I'll, I'll connect with you back. Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Cassie your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Follow her on LinkedIn, and feel free to connect with her via email as well. Thank you again, Cassie. Thanks, George. I appreciate it. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!